there's more to this life than I thought. And James inspires me. The things he says have encouraged me. It's like there's a walk, there's a path, and it's leading to something more real than I've ever known before, and it's exciting. I get around James and I hear things that help me in my life, my work. This work he talks about has become my work. I am excited about the possibility that other people could be affected, other people could be inspired to work on themselves, to grow, to, to realize there's more to this life. One of the characteristics of the third level of consciousness is recognizing oneself. You remember the three levels of consciousness that we generally have to do with, that we understand something about. The first one is the first level of consciousness is sleep on your bed. So there's that first level of sleep where you're just snoring. Then there's the second level of consciousness that the work calls waking sleep. And that means that the moving center is now active. So you're still asleep, but the moving center is now active. So you're walking around. That's why it's called waking sleep. And there's a little bit more awareness, but not a whole lot more. But there is this illusion that because the moving center is active, that we are fully conscious. We think that we are, that all of the movements that we're making, we're conscious of the ones that we're making. But a little bit of thought shows us, well, we're blinking and we're not aware of that. Our heart's beating and we're not really, we don't have to be aware of that. We know that our heart is beating and we know that we know that our heart beats. We know that we blink. We know that we swallow. We know that we digest food. We know that we circulate blood. We know that we take oxygen out of the blood and move it through the body and take waste gases out of the body and move them to the lungs so that they can be expelled when we exhale. We know that we inhale when we exhale. But that's not the same thing as being conscious of doing it. Knowing that you do that, knowing that that happens, is not the same thing as being attentive or aware or conscious of it, of actually doing it. Because let's face it, we don't have the force to give our attention to all of those things at once. You can't blink and swallow and beat your heart and digest your food and circulate your blood and make your lungs pump in and out. You can't do that consciously all at once. You can't walk upstairs consciously. The best way for you to walk up and down stairs is unconsciously. It's, it's second nature. You learn how to do it. The move, you teach the moving center how to do it. And then you let the moving center do it. But if you start to think about it, okay, now I'm going to lift my right foot up. I'm going to, oh, oh, I have to lift my leg. I have to, oh, I has to, has to, the gluteus maximus has to contract. And then I have to, my thigh, and then this, and then my calf, and then my ankle, and I have to bend, and then do this. If you do that, it'll take you a very long time to walk upstairs. It won't take you long at all to get down the stairs because you'll fall down if, you, if you're doing that. You'll find that you can't do it. So it's okay to let the, the moving center do its job, which is to move you. But the thing is, is that we, we then come under this illusion that because we're moving, we think that we're conscious. We imagine that we're conscious. And we are conscious, and we are unconscious. We are more conscious than we are when we're asleep on our beds. We are less conscious than we are when we move into the third level of consciousness, which the work likes to call self-remembering self-awareness. And as I said, one of the characteristics of the third level of consciousness is recognizing oneself. What? What are you talking about? Recognizing oneself? Of course I recognize myself. That's right. You do. You recognize yourself. You become aware, cognized. To be cognizant is to be aware. You re-aware. You recognize. You recognize yourself. 
you become aware of yourself again. Well, how could you become aware of yourself again? The only way to come, become aware of yourself again is if you forgot yourself. So the second state of consciousness is that state of consciousness where we forget ourselves. The third state of consciousness is when we begin to recognize ourselves or become aware of ourselves again. We think we do it all the time, but the truth is, is that what we're doing is we're recognizing something that's not us. We're recognizing something in the second state of consciousness. We're recognizing something that's not us. We're recognizing false personality. We're recognizing the false side of us, the false part of us, the part of us that was acquired in life, the part of us that we learn through imitation, the part of us that some people call the ego. There are people who say there's a collective ego. There are a lot of collective egos. For example, the Republican Party and the Democratic Party both have collective egos. If you're a Democrat, you collectively have, hold these beliefs. If you're a Republican, you collectively hold these beliefs. You have this ideology. You have this set of rules and regulations. Now, there's some flexibility within that. You can be a more right-wing Republican or a more liberal Republican. If you're watching this uh, election business that's going on in our country, then you know that uh, John McCain is, is a Republican and Osama, what's his name? Obama, Obama that's it. Ob sorry. <laughs> Obama, that's right. Osama's the other guy, isn't he? Osama bin Laden's the criminal of a million years, you know, so for America, like he's, he's the target now. He is the, what is it, he's the embodiment of evil in our egoic collective ego in, the, in this country. So you see that egos can be in little areas like a family, and then collective ego can be a bigger area like a school or a town, like your school colors. Oh, well, why are you fighting with those people? Well, they disrespected our school colors. So that's a collective ego. And this is what some people, Eckhart Tolle right now, in his The New Earth, this is a big thing. And so it's okay to use this. Why not use this? People are aware of this. People read the book and people say, oh, well, it's all ego. But then ego becomes this bad word. And that's not what Eckhart Tolle means when he's saying that. He's not saying that ego is this new bad thing, this new enemy now we're supposed to fight because all that does is strengthen, of course, the ego. One of the problems with this, just this blanket ego thing, or this blanket false personality thing, is that it becomes the catch-all for evil, the catch-all for opposition, the catch-all for darkness, the catch-all for badness. All that does is strengthen false personality, strengthens the ego, it strengthens the opposition, and it causes us to identify even more. We identify even more with the thing that we don't like now. See, it's not just a matter of, oh, well, I like this, so it's, it's a good thing, and I don't like that, and it's a bad thing. The ego is all of it. The false personality is all of it. It's the good things and the bad things. It's all of it. What we're trying to do is recognize ourselves. But the self that we have to recognize is a self that we don't know very well in this life. It's a self that we're not familiar with. It's a self that is above us vertically. It's not with us on this timeline. It's above us vertically. When we identify with anything, we drop down into the second level of consciousness, which is waking sleep. We come under the law of accident. We start to serve nature and the influences created by life. Well, what does that look like? Well, what it looks like is if I'm in the third level of consciousness, which is self-recognition, self-awareness, where I'm aware of myself, 
then I'm not identified with all this stuff that I took to be me when I was in the second state of consciousness. Well, what's that? My car, my shoes, my clothes, my body, my thoughts, my feelings, my desires, my likes, my dislikes. All of those things belong to the second level of consciousness. The third level of consciousness, you are like Teflon. You've been sprayed with Teflon and those things start to slip away from you. You don't identify with those things. It's ridiculous to think that you are the thought that, that is going through your mind. In the third level of consciousness, it's absurd to think that you are the feeling or the sensation that your body's having. It's ridiculous to think that you're your car. In the third level of consciousness, you're aware that you are not your car. You are aware that you are not your body. You have an increased, expanded, heightened awareness and familiarity with who you actually are, with your essential self, rather than those things with which we are constantly identified in the second state of consciousness, waking sleep, that most of us move through life in. And in, the, in that state, that second state, we're not in charge. Life is in charge of us. Our desires are in charge of us. Our thoughts are in charge of us. Our feelings are in charge of us. Our sensations are in charge of us. They are the things that make us react and do whatever it is we do in life. Life, meaning this thing that we pick up, we get through our senses, through the five senses. Look at it as like you're in the soup. When you're in the second state of consciousness, you're in the soup. So you're in there with the carrots and the peas and the potatoes. And you're in there with the, with the rosemary and the bay leaf and, and the tomatoes. And you're in there with all the, the sauce and the stuff. You notice there's no meat in my soup because I'm a vegetarian. It's, it's a vegetable soup for me. And all that means is that I don't have a problem identifying with vegetables a little bit. You know, on my way out of the soup, I find that there's some things that I don't want in my soup. You know, I don't want to kill things to have in my soup. doesn't mean that you can't. You go ahead and kill anything you want. That's your business. You want to go, you want to go join the Army or the Navy or the Marine Corps or the Air Force and go kill people? That's okay. You can do that. I don't have a problem with that. I think it's insane. From the perspective of kind of being out of that a little bit, it looks insane to me. It looks like insane reactions, insane violent reactions that are unnecessary because from my perspective, we're all one. From my perspective, all life forms are one. So to be out there slaughtering other life forms to get them to do what we want them to do seems insane to me. And I don't want to belabor that point because I don't consider it to be wrong. I consider it to be insane. And that when people come back to sanity, when they come back to reality, when they come back to the realization of who they actually are, when they can begin to recognize themselves as who they are instead of the clothes that they're wearing, instead of the cars that they're driving, the houses that they're living in, and the countries that they're a part of, or the, or the cities that they're a part of, the clubs that they're a part of, instead of recognizing themselves as Republicans or Democrats or black or white or male or female or Iraqis or Americans or Muslims or Christians or Jews or or Arabs, instead of recognizing themselves in that way, when they can reach a higher level of consciousness, they can recognize themselves as manifestations of one life, as bits of light consciousness in that pool of life. And they can start to see that they're all grounded in the same pool. So in other words, it's a different soup. It's a light soup. It's not a heavy soup. It's a light soup. Not only is it light, but it is also light, as in the light of consciousness.
So moving into that, when you start to see that there aren't any differences between us, you realize that when you're killing someone else, you're killing yourself because it's your life, because we all share the same life source. When you begin to live in that, you don't want to kill anymore. You don't want to hurt. You don't want to take things away from people. You don't want to get even. You don't want those things. The greed and the insanity of that stops sticking to you as you move into this other state of consciousness where you can recognize yourself, your essential self, and stop calling yourself all those other things that you were identified with. It's something that happens. I think you can possibly help it to happen. I think that I can possibly help influence you to move closer to that, which is why I do what I do, because I think that maybe just what I'm sharing with you, what I'm feeling, what I'm bringing to you from that state, maybe that will affect you in some way. Connie said something she read, she thought was, was like what I do. She said, if you have a fire and you have a log burning in the fire, that if you take another log and you put it on the fire and you put it close to the other log, that other log will slowly begin to catch fire. It's the same fire, but that log will slowly begin to catch fire. And then if that log is taken away from that log that was burning, it was really burning brightly in big fire. If it's taken away, it can still burn on its own. And if it didn't catch fire enough, then it might have to come back in close proximity to the other log again. Those of you who make fires in fireplaces and campfires know what this is about. And she said, you know, this is kind of like what you do. You know, you're like this log that's burning. And then people get around you and they kind of catch some of it. And then they go away and it kind of goes out. But then they come back and it catches faster. You ever notice that when you take a log out of the fire and it goes out, but if you put it back in, it catches a lot faster. Its internal temperature is higher, so it's closer to the combustion point. That's what happens. You get closer and closer to it, and then there's, you know, some of the heat from it, some of the light from it, some of the fire from it starts to raise your internal level. You get closer to the combustion point. And so each time, it's just, you pick it up faster, you pick it up faster. It's an interesting way to put it. So there it is. So we come under the power of whatever it is that we identify with, and then we lose force to it. If you identify with a movie star, then you come under the power of that movie star. Well, what does that mean? That you actually come under the power of that person? No, you come under the power of that image. Because a movie star is an image. It's not a real person. It's an image that's projected through the media. And if you identify with that, I remember back in the 60s, I worked in this hamburger joint, and this guy who they hired from a McDonald's, because McDonald's was, was very big back then, and uh, this other place that I worked for was not a McDonald's. It was like a sub-McDonald's, you know. And I don't mean like Subway. I mean like sub like below McDonald's. Like nobody knew about it. So they hired this guy in order to get more like McDonald's. They hired this guy from McDonald's to come over and show them how to be like McDonald's. Well, that's what they did. And so this guy came over and he, he, he thought he was James Bond. No, I'm serious. He uh, actually had cards printed up with James Bond on it. And he would give out these cards. And it was funny because the guy was, gee, I don't really, wouldn't know how to say this politically correct. He was a hunchback. So it really seems strange. I mean, and he dressed in a white shirt and everything. He dressed like James Bond, but he was like this hunchback. And he passed out these cards, and he, his name was John. Uh, and everybody called him John, but he passed out these cards that said he was James Bond. He was like totally identified with James Bond. It was just kind of comical. It sounds insane, doesn't it? I mean, it sounds really crazy. And that's exactly 
how it looks to me. That's crazy, isn't it? But that's what he did. It was so crazy that everybody laughed at him behind his back, but he was the boss because they hired him to be our boss. So everybody laughed at him behind his back, but everybody called him whatever he wanted to be called <laughs> when he was the boss. And later they laughed at him behind his back. So whatever it is we identify with, we lose force to it. As he, as he put his force into identifying with James Bond, he'd lost more and more of his force to be himself, to ever find out he, who he was. To be in, so he was in denial about who he actually was, this body that he was saddled with. There was just not a James Bond body, he was a hunchback. The guy was, had a brilliant mind, but his brilliant mind flowed into this James Bond identity, and all of his force went into that. And he was about wearing the right clothes and getting the right car and saying the right thing and being like James Bond. There's another guy on the internet who's got some James Bond, be like James Bond website. You know, and he's like, he's got these 10 things that James Bond would do, and he's got a book and all this stuff, and the people, and the big following, and people who want to be like James Bond. I thought it was a big joke, but it's not. People who, who act like James Bond, you know, who gamble like James Bond, who drink like James Bond, who have sex like James Bond, who get women like James Bond, who drive cars like James Bond. Wow. All I can say is, wow. Their force is going into that. We forget our aim, and our consciousness contracts like, you know these flashlights that you twist the, the rim of it, and the, the, light gets, the ring of light goes either wider and more diffused, or it can go narrow and down to a little pinpoint, and it's like that. Our consciousness contracts like a beam on a flashlight, and it'll get very pinpoint, very small. It'll be very bright. So these guys like James Bond are very bright. Boy, all of their focus is right there. But anything around that is all in darkness. They're not aware of anything around that. They can become aware of it momentarily as they move the light to it. But wherever the light goes, that's where their consciousness is. So it contracts like the beam of a flashlight. Associations receive energy and former things return. When we identify, we pull ourselves out of the vertical realm. We pull ourselves down into the timeline. We pull ourselves down into the board. We pull ourselves down into the game. And we start to identify with the things. And those things then drain our force. And what force is it? Well, it's a lot like letting air out of a hot air balloon. A hot air balloon has a, a burner. Now, if you take that burner and you point it, you, you focus on something else. So you see something on the ground. It's, oh, and you point the burner at that. And you turn it on. And you put all your energy at that. The hot air balloon begins to come down because it loses its hot air. And that's what happens when we identify. We focus on something and our force is no longer going into what we are. It's being drawn out of what we are and it's going into what we aren't. In order to inflate what we aren't, we have to put our force into it. And so in order for this guy to inflate this image of James Bond, he had to put all of his force into it. He had no force left to find out who he was to be himself to be his real essential self, was really a beautiful, wonderful guy. But it was all lost in imagining that he was someone else. It's like that. And then former things return. What happens is the same thing that happened before. Because we're identified, we step onto this hamster wheel, and we come around to this again and again and again and again and again. Well, it may be a big hamster wheel moving very slowly, and you only come across it once every two years. But the fact is, is you're repeating it. And maybe there's, there's a wheel within the wheel, and you're repeating your road rage every time you get on the road, or every third time you're on the road, or every second time you're on the road, or every 15 minutes on the road, or every five minutes on the road. It doesn't matter. It's all repeatable. Former things return. When we identify, 
we shut ourselves off from higher influences and we open ourselves to influences that are beneath us. What is an influence that's beneath you? Well, if you're in a, right now, you're, in, you're listening to things about higher states of consciousness. You're listening to things about becoming more familiar with your own self, your real self, who you really are. So your thoughts, your awareness is reaching up, isn't it? Your, your thoughts are about oneness. Your thoughts are about unification. Your thoughts are about something higher. Your thoughts are about getting away from road rage, getting away from identification, leaving all that stuff behind, getting in a hot air balloon and leaving the earth behind. You know, and just raising yourself up above all of that and getting into a more rarefied atmosphere where you have a better view. You can see so much more. You see, when you're higher up, you look and you go, wow, I never knew all that was there. Look at all that. What a, what a beautiful landscape. And if you get high enough, you can see the curve of the earth. You get high enough, you can see the whole earth. You know, you get far enough out. This is, Buckminster Fuller said, we're not really getting higher or lower. We're going out or we're coming in. It's not up. If up is relative to our state of consciousness. Up and down, we talk about that because that's what people understand. But really, the truth is, is when you jump up, you're really jumping out from the earth. And if you take a rocket ship, you're really not going up. You're just going out. Because once you're out there in space, there is no up, you see. There is no up. Up is only relative to the earth. And it's only relative when your consciousness is earthbound. When your consciousness goes beyond that, up is no longer relative. It's a matter of out or in. When we identify, we shut ourselves off from influences that are higher. And we open ourselves to influences that are beneath us. And those influences that are beneath us are the, the former things that return. Our anger, our greed, our jealousy, our fear, our paranoia about something, our desires for this or that. And those things then get hold of us and start to drain our force off. And we fall back into that until we think we are that. We can't recognize ourselves anymore. Instead, we recognize the false personality as ourself. We are identified with the false personality, the things that the false personality are, is attached to. And we, we think that we are that. We lose ourself. We become familiar with what we aren't. And we lose our familiarity with what we actually are. Energy follows attention. If Man makes no effort to awaken. His energy to awaken will be given to others. The Bible says something like this. That Jesus talks about somebody who, ha who was given a talent and someone else who was given two and someone else who was given five. And the master went away and he came back and he, said, and he called all his servants and he said, what have you done with your... T and the one who had five went out and made ten and he said, well, here's, your, here's the five, the original five you gave me and here's five more I earned. With that, and he said, "Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into your master's joy." Then the one who had two, he said, "Well, I went out and earned two more. Here's your original two, and here's two more." And he said, "Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into your master's joy." And the one who was given one talent, he said, "Well, what, where's what do you got?" He says, "Here's the very same talent that you gave me. I knew what a hard man you are. That you reap where you don't sow, and and that you're, you know, that you're really hard, and that you're not a nice guy. And so I." was afraid that you would that if I lost anything you would really be mean to me so I took your talent and I buried it in the ground and here's the very talent that you gave me and here it is and he said you lazy wicked bum all of the things that you're seeing in me are the very things that you have in yourself and now take the talent take the one talent that he had and give it to the one who has 10 and they said well but he already has 10 and he said yeah to those who have much more will be given to those who have little even that which they have will be taken away. And there it is. If you don't give your attention to awakening, then the force that you have will be taken away from you and will be given to someone else who is giving their force and their attention to awakening. 
It's just that simple. Force, energy follows attention. It flows and it follows it. So if you're giving your attention to becoming awake, you will wake up and the attention that other people are not giving to being awake, you will get their force because they're not using it anyway. And the force will be attracted to you, it will flow to you because it follows your attention. Isn't that beautiful? I mean, that's just so great. It's like, it's unlimited. All that you need is there. There's this huge reserve of force and energy that's waiting for you to give your attention to awakening. And it will follow your attention. The more attention you give, the more force will come. The less you give, the more will be taken away from you. This excites me. We must become familiar with the two of us. There's this false side of us, this ego, and then there's this essential side of us, the real side of us, that is rooted in beingness, that is rooted in life itself, that is rooted in God itself, that is rooted in consciousness itself. That is what you flow out of. That is what you, that is your origin. That is where you come from. That is where you will return. Man, in a state of self-remembering, is different from man asleep. And see, here's the higher, lower thing. So here we are in this room. If I come and sit next to one of you, there will be someone who is in one state of consciousness that's different from someone who's sitting in another state of consciousness. But they'll be sitting right next to each other. And on the horizontal line, they'll be right there together. But on the vertical line, they will not be sitting next to each other. They will not be together. Because one will be in a different place vertically, but in the same place horizontally on a timeline. We have to become aware, we have to be, start to become familiar with both of those. With the one that is above and the one that is horizontal. The one that is vertical and the one that is horizontal. We have to become familiar with both of those. And the only way to become familiar with yourself is to begin to recognize yourself. Well, the only way to begin to recognize yourself is to start remembering that what you are identified with is not what you are. You are not your ego. You are not your false personality. You are not your car. You're not your body. You're not your mind. You're not your thoughts. You're not your feelings. You're not those things. You're familiar with all those things, and so you think you are those things. And you identify with those things, but you're not those things. And as you become more familiar with this other you, with this real you, with this higher you, with this more sublime you, as you become more familiar with it, you'll find that it's easier to embody it with your sense of self. And as you embody it with your sense of self, you'll find that you have less and less attachment to the other things that you were familiar with that drag your attention, that draw your attention. False personality draws your attention. You don't give it. It takes it. But your essential self, you must give your attention. It will not take it. But false personality is not like that at all. It's a robber and a thief. It breaks into your house and steals your attention, steals your goods. Who you are will not do that. Who you are will wait patiently in the silence, in the spaciousness of consciousness, in the higher realms, and it will wait for you to come to it, to reach out for it, to give your attention to it. And then it will meet you. Then you will draw the force. These two people, a man in a state of self-remembering and someone who's not in a state of self-remembering, sitting next to each other. They may be next to each other in time, but one is vertical to the other psychologically or spiritually. One is simply more aware. That's really the only difference. They could be sitting on the same chair. You could share a chair, and it won't matter. They won't be psychologically, spiritually the same if one is in a state of self-remembering, if one is recognizing his true self, if one is being in his true self, acknowledging and accepting his true self and not allowing the strong man to break in and steal and draw his attention and take his good things away. By becoming familiar with the false side of ourselves, we are freed from the false side of others. Do you know how much power 
the false side of others has over us. Arthur, you were talking about it, and a woman pulled over and came into our lane. Or she was talking on a cell phone, and she came into our lane, and I had to move over, and, and she, I almost got in an accident, and it was very tense, but I didn't blow the horn, I didn't go into road rage. Good, but she noticed that there was a big force trying to draw you into it, wasn't there? And you had to really make an effort not to go into it, didn't you? The false side of others has a huge impact on us when we don't recognize the false side of ourselves. But as we begin to recognize the false side of ourselves, we see somebody pulling over on the cell phone, you know, we see somebody coming over, we just move. We go, oh, there's another person unconscious, unaware. There's another person totally immersed in identification with the car, the freeway, whatever's going through her mind, whatever she's talking, whatever she's talking about on the phone, whatever. Could have been a guy, you know, just as easily as a woman. I'm not prejudiced either way. Could have been Chinese or Afro-American or Afro-Chinese or Afro-Sinai or I don't care to tell you the truth because it doesn't matter. I, I don't want to identify with any of that. That's not what it's about. What it's about is getting away from all that, getting just pulling out of all that, and letting all that just be there, whatever it is, and let it just be. But understanding that here it is in me, and if I can recognize this false side of myself, then the false side of others loses power over me because the false side of myself is already losing power. Why? because I'm aware of it. It's awareness. Awareness destroys false personality. It just eliminates it the same way that light disappears darkness. Darkness isn't. So when you shine light on it, you can see that it isn't. It becomes very clear that it isn't. Well, why? Well, because the awareness has made it clear, and that's how it is. So Arthur was able to have some awareness about it and stay in that awareness to some degree, and not have too much force drawn off by the woman coming into our lane. Now, if he'd been totally aware, he would have gone, this isn't my lane, this isn't our lane, she can have it if she wants, it belongs to everybody. I, I, I yield it to her, fine, take the lane. Take all the lanes, I don't care. I can pull over, I can take another route, I can get out of the car and walk. I can do anything I want. I am a free human being because I am aware. And my awareness is my freedom. My awareness is my ticket. My consciousness is my life. Not this lane, not this car, not this person, not this cell phone, not any of that. Not this anger, not any of that stuff that's trying to get my attention. I don't want to give it my attention. I choose not to give it my attention because I like living here better than there. But you see, you have to be aware to be able to make that choice. So by becoming familiar with our own false side, we are then freed from the false side of others. It's not them doing what pleases or displeases us. It's the false side of them doing what pleases or displeases us. And what is it that it pleases or displeases in us? The false side of us that has all these rules and regulations that it learned, that were imitated, that it learned, that aren't real at all. We realize this false side is what we have to observe. The series of thoughts, feelings, sensations to which we say I, taking ourselves as one self, identified, asleep. The false side is made up of a series of thoughts, feelings, sensations, that we're saying I to. Somebody pulls over into our lane. We're saying I to that. We're saying, well, that, that's our lane. So instead of saying I, you're saying our. But you see, that's I. That's my lane. I, me, mine, ours. So it's a group thing now because there are two of you. It's our lane. So when you're saying that, you're identifying with the lane. When you identify with the lane and someone else comes into it, they have taken your space, your lane. Now you have to protect it. Now you have to feel something about it. Now you have to, oh, they're trying to, they almost killed us. 
Uh, and you start to complain about it. And you start to be crazy about it. You start to be insane. By calling something that is not yours, yours, you make yourself crazy. Oh yeah, all that force is going directly into that insanity. You become identified and you go to sleep. What do you go to sleep to? You go to sleep to who you really are. You've forgotten it. It, it, it. it goes away. It's out of your consciousness. You're no longer aware of it. You no longer have that choice. It's right there. It's right there in the car with you. But you can't see it anymore. You have narrowed the beam of the flashlight so that you can only see our lane and this person getting into our lane and trying to kill us. We realize through directed observation that we are not what we take ourselves to be, nor are others what we take them to be. Never mind that they are not what they take themselves to be. They're not what we take them to be. Let's not worry about them. Let's just concern ourselves with us. You are not what I take you to be. I am not what I take me to be. Well, then what am I? Well, I don't know. Let's find out. Let's just sit still and allow ourselves to find out who we are by not taking ourselves to be who we have always taken ourselves to be. Detach ourselves from that and allow ourselves to find out who we really are. It's there. Who we really are is there. It's right here, right now. It is in the present moment. The present moment is where awareness must come from and come to. And in that present moment, what is aware is there. What is aware is more what you are than what you are aware of. As we are, we need constant reminders or we forget to separate from the false side. Unless we observe it, we remain under its power. If we observe it and we identify with it, we remain under its power. Well, I was really upset. I'm really upset that that person came into our lane and that she's talking on the t cell phone. Doesn't she know that that's dangerous? Doesn't she know that she shouldn't do that? Doesn't she know that that causes accidents? No, she doesn't know. But I told her, yes, but she doesn't know because whoever's driving the car now is not that person you talk to. Whoever's driving the car now is the one who talks on the phone and drives. That person is now driving. That side of herself she's identified with. As we learn the habits of those little eyes that we go with, we begin to go with them less and less just by learning their habits. We begin to go with them less and less because we see what they are. We see them as the little eyes. So we identify less and less. We don't take them as I. We don't say I to them all the time. I want a new car. I want her to get out of my lane. I want people to use a Bluetooth headset instead of talk on the phone when they're driving their cars. I want people to pay attention. Let all that go. If you want to be who you are, you have to let that go because that's who you're not. Many think that they've taken this step already and are free from the false side. I say, wonderful, that's great, congratulations, I'm very happy for you. Then you never complain, you never become cross with other people, you're not irritated by the actions or the words of others, and you don't have any regrets about anything you've done. Congratulations. And of course you know that at any moment you could fall out of that, just like you could fall out of the hot air balloon basket and come crashing to the earth, unless you can't, unless you are aware. If you're aware, then you won't, because you have choice. If you're not aware, if you identify, you'll come crashing out. To experience being negative, stressed, unhappy, miserable, is to be reminded that we're identifying with the false side. It doesn't matter whose false side. It doesn't matter what they did. Whatever the cause is, if it's like, oh, well, somebody came into our lane, or somebody scratched my car, that's identification. Anytime we do that, we're, we're, we've just lost now. We've lost now, and we're in this other thing, this past or future or something else that isn't now. We've lost ourselves. We've fallen out of the third level of consciousness. We've fallen back into the second level of consciousness, waking sleep, identification. Our force is being drained off from us. Just to experience being negative, stressed, unhappy, miserable is to be reminded. 
we're identifying with something that we're already familiar with, but we need to become more familiar with it so that we don't identify with it. And it doesn't matter what got us there. All that matters is what gets us out. And there's only one thing that can get us out, awareness. And there's only one place to get aware. Where is that? Right now. So we've got the right not to be negative. If we can become familiar with these little, with these little eyes in the false side of us, the false personality, that are constantly vying for our attention, if we can become familiar with them, we, don't, we, we just automatically start to go with them less and less just because we know what they are and we know what they want to do. We know who they are. We know what they're here for. They're thieves. They're robbers. They just want to steal from us. So don't let them in. Don't go with them. When they come to the door and knock at the door, don't go out the door with them. And you can answer the door. It's okay to answer the door and say, oh, it's you. Close the door. I don't, I don't want to come out and play today. Forget it. You see, so somebody pulls over into our lane. Instead of going out to play, go, oh, they're in our lane, oh. Just say, oh, well, that's fine, have it. Go take some other lane. No big deal. Go take somebody else's lane. Let them be upset with you. You're doing them a favor. Look at all the, the favors I do people. All the people who get upset with me, I'm doing them a favor. I'm giving them something. Here, take all you want. Go ahead, be upset. Be as upset as you want to be. Be crazy if you want to be crazy. Go right ahead. You have my permission. You know, I feel so magnanimous when I do that. Here you go. Have it all. Take it all. It's all yours. The world is your oyster. Have it all. Have anything you like. That's what you want? You want to be negative? Okay, you can. It's all yours. Take it. I don't want any of it. I'll take none of it for myself. I'll let you have it all. See how magnanimous that is? How beautiful that is? That's great. So have it all yourself. It's up to you. Or have something else. Have whatever you want. It's your restaurant. Anything you order, the universe will serve it up. If you've got a good reason to be negative, you're listening to little lies because they provide the reasons. Who you are has no reason. Why am I here? I don't know. No reason. Why am I doing what I'm doing? No reason. Ignore the cause and separate. What's the cause? They're in our lane. They're coming into our lane. That's the cause. Separate. She came into my lane. So? Not my lane. It's a freeway. What do you think free means? It's a freeway. It's free. <laughs> there they, they can go anywhere they want on there. That's fine. It's not, you didn't have your name on it. This lane is my lane. This lane is only for single white males. This lane is only for single black females. You know, it's not that way. Just let it go. Don't identify with it. Ignore the cause and separate. Only then can we claim the right which is ours. The right that we lost by imitating others. What is that right? The right not to be negative. Is it possible to behave more consciously towards life, towards ourselves, and towards others? Is that possible? Have you ever behaved more consciously? Then it's possible, isn't it? Yes, if we become familiar with how we take an event, a situation, a person, how we take it automatically, how we take it unconsciously, if we become familiar with that, then it's possible to be more conscious. If we can become familiar with how we have lived our lives, with our limitations, with the false side of us that we have identified with, if we can become familiar with that, we become more aware. Awareness dissolves the false personality, the way light dissolves darkness. Then we may separate from it consciously, find a new way to take them, perhaps. So what's a new way to take the person who comes over into our lane on the freeway when they're talking on the cell phone? Wow, I'm glad I was aware enough to get out of her way because she's a machine, man. She's just like, she's like not home. There's nobody home there. I'm glad I was aware enough to save us both. That's great. And save a lot of other people too, probably. That's a nice way to take it, isn't it? See, here's the deal. There's plenty of new being. The problem is, is that we are walking in old being and it isn't necessary. You're operating out of your old being, not a new being. You're operating out of old being because you're identified with old being. You know, Jesus said it this way. When people taste the old wine, they don't want the new wine. They say the old is better. The truth is, is when you come, by the time you get here, what you want is you want new being 
and old being. You want new being, but you want to remain in old being. And that's fine, but you have to understand that the only way to have new being, to really have new being, is to let go of old being. You can have one foot on the dock and one foot on the boat for a while, but eventually you've got to make a choice. You're going to get on the boat or you're going to stay on the dock. Eventually you've got to make a choice. I recommend new being, and I recommend releasing old being, being willing to let go of it. We're jealous of old being, and we don't want new being. The old wine is better. Why can't we have both? Because you can't. Curtis is going to London in a couple of weeks. He mentioned the other day going to Paris, but he can't do it and stay in London. That's his problem. He can't stay in London and go to Paris. He can't stay here and go to London. He can't do both. And that's the same way it is with old being and new being. You can't do both. It's one or the other. See the eye that's producing the poison of negative emotions, and you can say no to it. You can say, this is not I. Gradually, we step behind personality, behind this false side of us, behind this ego, seeing it as a net of eyes enclosing us. Just look at it like a fisher's net, all these little knots tied all together. We can begin to take it off eye by eye with simple familiarity. The linchpin of this work is the practical application of the ideas shared in the podcasts. If you'll go to solidrockvista.com, to the thoughts page, I've written a number of articles that will help you to practice the principles that we're sharing with you in the podcasts.